Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. And I do mean all types of shows. Like, I know this is a sports show. We all love football. Probably most of us love baseball. But Game Time hooks you up with uh, you know, concerts, with theater tickets, um, anything you like. And they're throwing a little curveball here during the holiday season as we wrap up a lot of these shows. Game Time's hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then, under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to Podcast by Committee, the second half of our 2020 Mock Draft Analyzer podcast series. With me again is Michael Peller. Great to be back with you, man. I love, I love it. I love the, the, first, the first half was great. Uh, you gave me a lot of kudos, which I always appreciate, and I'm ready for the second half. <laughs> well, at, least I, at least I could do. At least I could do. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so let's jump right back into this. As you all uh, kind of remember, I hope. Uh, Michael Bell, if you haven't, if you're just jumping in on this one for whatever reason, the first half of this was our Tuesday show. Um, but Beller uh, basically picked a team that I loved. And as we left the first episode, I had selected D.D. Westbrook in the eighth, ra- eighth round. Just as a little brief reminder, um, everybody sucks in this league because they wanted to go an extra two rounds when we didn't have to. And uh, we're stuck in these last two rounds, which is holding up all the uh, written content <laughs> as, we, as we plan along for the holidays. I blame Selfino um, and, and Brad Ziegler mostly. It's really, it really is Selfino and Brad Ziegler and everyone's inability to read sarcasm uh, in, in a lot of emails. <laughs> I should have so. challenged Brad that if I, could, uh, if I could get one hit off of him in, in, in 10 at-bats that we don't have to do the last two rounds. He didn't seem to take kindly to the jokes about him being a reliever. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Although I think he and Andy Singleton were friends, so they were just kind of messing around. I think around. so, too. And I don't think I would have much of a chance yeah. to. I, I was a decent high school baseball player, but I think he would pretty easily get me out in 10 at-bats. Mostly, and he'd, I think, be very motivated yeah. to do it if you're calling out on a fantasy football email. Yeah. Uh, but, but serious props to Ziggler. He's like, I want to hire him for all my leagues because he's like, you're up. Let's go. <laughs> and every every league needs that it's guy. True. It's totally true. Yeah. Uh, Bella, we didn't talk much about the quarterbacks. Um, I took Lamar Jackson in the second round. The next one was Patrick Mahomes to Funston in the fourth. And then uh, two rounds later, we saw Deshaun Watson. And now they're starting to sprinkle around in the eighth round. Kyler Murray in the ninth round, Russell Wilson and Jameis Winston. Um, I'll count that right, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Eighth, eighth round was Kyler, so ninth round was Russell and Winston. We, you know, expert leagues take quarterbacks late. Um and I like I know people write about that a lot, but it's it's kind of a smart move. I'm usually a very late quarterback, and you look like Aaron Rodgers still on the board. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Drew Brees, Garoppolo, your boy Baker Mayfield. Uh, there are just a lot of good quarterbacks still left. But I mean, like Lamar Jackson in the second round, I actually didn't think he was going to make it back around to me. I feel like the Lamar Jackson fervor is going to push him into the first round. 
you're basically getting a quarterback and a running back all in one. Oh, Lamar Lamar is going in the first round of uh, civilian drafts without question in 100% of civilian like I I would bet there's a better chance that Lamar's the number 2 pick in a in a typical draft than he is out of the first round. I think that's for sure. You're only going to see him go this late in drafts like this like you said um expert drafts with that nice uh and that very good inflection that you put into it uh, but uh you know it's going to he's the, the nice thing about Lamar is that I feel like the rushing is maybe stickier than Mahomes' ridiculous touchdown rate was last year. Oh, yeah. I, I see touchdowns. Like, we talked about Leonard Fournette, regress. You know, like, Julio Jones, I guess, fooled me for a couple of years, but that's, you know, regressing positively. Um, the Mahomes touchdowns, and Salfino wrote a good call about this. Like, even if they regress, like, normally, he'll still have 40, you know, he'll still be good, and he'll still probably right. finish as one of the highest quarterbacks. Right, right. But you're right. I think Lamar Jackson's in a different category than basically – Everyone we've seen since Michael Vick. Um, you may be a little bit of Josh Allen, but I think Lamar Jackson's got a better arm and he's got a better offense suited for him. Like, they built that offense around Lamar Jackson. The he Buffalo just offense features Josh Allen. He's way more of a – his rushing is way more of a, a threat in a real way, in a way that opens up passing lines. Salfino's written about that a lot too, that, you know, Lamar – uh, gets to make a lot of easy throws because of how dangerous he is as a runner and how much you have to account for him as a runner and be, and what that threat does to, to secondaries. I mean, the way that that threat wraps in all 11 players on a defense. I mean, you know, Josh Allen, you can you can slow down with your front seven with what his running is. That's not true uh, about Lamar Jackson. And so that's why I think there's going to be some stickiness here to his rushing. He is going to be the most interesting early round quarterback discussion that we have had maybe ever because of how real his rushing is. Even realer well, you know, than Michael Vick because of the era we play. And I think, you know, Mike, if Michael Vick played now, uh, then he could have been in that discussion as well. But because of the era that 2019-2020 NFL is, you know, Lamar Jackson's rushing is as real as it gets from a quarterback as we've ever seen. Let me ask you this. Uh, if Greg Roman is gone, like, you know, people are talking Greg Roman head coaching candidate, does that change Lamar Jackson for next year? Because that's my worry. That, like, Greg Roman has done this before. And like even like his his Buffalo days, like he was just he's a he's a rushing coordinator. That's what he does. Um, and I don't know. Like I'd be a little bit worried that if Greg Roman's gone, maybe Lamar Jackson doesn't have this brand of success next year. Yeah, I, I would. If I'm a Lamar Jackson buyer, I want Greg Roman to still be there. But the one thing that would keep me that why I would, the reason why I wouldn't downgrade him really um, is because of John Harbaugh. You've got a very smart, uh, respected, tenured. Uh, head coach who saw with his own eyes also how this offense can work and how this offense does work. And you better believe that he is going to instill that in whoever the offensive coordinator would be if Greg Roman does get a head job somewhere else. So I would want Roman to still be there, but if he does get a job elsewhere, it's not going to be something that pushes Lamar Jackson down my draft board. You know, Lamar Jackson doesn't get a lot of credit for um, his lack of interceptions. I mean, maybe in real football circles, you know, we're, we're so deep in fantasy that a lot of people don't say, well, you know, he's only thrown a few interceptions so far this year. I'm sure in real football, like, oh, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't turn the ball over. That's great for Baltimore, you know, to win. Um, but really, dude, like, Lamar Jackson has thrown one interception since the middle of October, which to me is nuts. It's insane. Like, that's crazy. It is insane. The Astros intercepted more signs in between uh, then and now, ah. and he's thrown interceptions. <laughs> you like that? 
That was, that was yes. I don't know how many people listening are going to understand, but I got you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, and that's that's another feather in his cap. But obviously, that's not going to be the reason that you're taking him. Uh, the reason that you're taking him is that you're getting an RB1 and a QB1 all in one package. And yeah. I think, I mean, I really think it's, it, again, it is, it is more believable than Patrick Mahomes putting up another 8.8 touchdown rate or whatever it was uh, in uh, his MVP season of 2018. Um, but I will say well, that. I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to transition. No, you go ahead. I was, I was going to wrap it up and move on to a different positions. So okay. No, no, no. Well, I'll just say uh, to keep it on quarterbacks for once for for a, a last uh, minute here. I, I I have no, even though I I have not taken a quarterback um, just yet, and I might wrap this up without taking a quarterback. Um, I have no problem with any of the quarterbacks that have been taken or where they've been taken. And I usually wouldn't be saying that because I am also a, a late quarterback zealot. But I think everyone's uh, jumped in at the right time on the guys that they've jumped in on and. You know who my favorite might be, uh, based on based on value, might be Kyler Murray, man. I mean, Kyler Murray. If if twenty eight, if you know Patrick Mahomes was the guy in eighteen and Lamar was the guy in nineteen, I mean, doesn't Kyler fit that bill in twenty? I mean, you're instilling a brand new offense that a lot of people haven't seen. You got to like he's gotten stronger as the year has gotten on, or he he had been. Right. I mean, yeah. like, give him an off season. You, give, yeah. yep, give him an off season. Give him a full year with Kenyon Drake in the backfield with him. Give him another wide receiver. I mean, Kyler, if someone is going to, you know, make that mid to late QB leap, right? A mid to late QB, he becomes an elite league winner the way Mahomes did in 18 and Lamar did in 19. It's going to be Kyler. It's Kyler or no one in 2020. Imagine if Kyler Murray chose baseball. <laughs> Imagine if he could be in like, he could be playing at Inland Empire right now or right. whatever the A's like double A affiliate is. Right. Well, which might be going away anyway. In a totally <laughs> yeah, seriously. Unrelated story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, before we get into the, these deeper rounds, I do want to like the tight end position is very interesting, um, and it's kind of cool when you look at the board like when everything's color coded, because you see like Jake Seeley, Andy Singleton, and Michael Selfino have not taken a tight end yet, mm-hmm. and Dallas Gadaris is sitting out there, and you know like a couple situations could change there with Philly, and he could be a starter somewhere. OJ Howard's still out there, Greg Olson's out there, Gasicki's out there who really came into his own, and it's like that same group of Rudolph Doyle, Higby. Well, you yeah, know, Higby whatever. and Hawkinson. Higby and Hawkinson could be something as late picks. Hawkinson. I'm, I'm not sure that Higby could be much, but I think Hawkinson could be um, in in year two. Obviously, we, we you know we we have that uh, stigma against first year tight ends, and it held true for Hawkinson this season. Um, but you know what intrigues me more about the tight end position um, is is how deep it is. I mean, I like you you look at these tight ends, and I think a lot of people are going to feel good about tight ends. And you know, it's not it's not deep in terms of. Yeah, and you can take there. There's 15 great tight ends out there, but it did like through at least like tight end eight. You've got some really good players. Like you took two tight ends, uh, and I don't think that that was a crazy move. I mean, as badly as it maybe worked out this season for people such as yourself who took two tight ends a lot uh, early on yeah. in draft, yeah. but I mean, you know, Darren Waller and Evan Ingram taking them where you took them. I mean, that could certainly work out uh, next year, in, in especially in multi flex leagues. Maybe not in leagues that only have one flex spot, but in leagues where you're playing a couple of flex players. That could work out, but I mean, right? Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz, Waller, Ingram, Hooper, Henry, Andrews, maybe Njoku. I mean, you're feeling pretty good about the first eight, nine, maybe ten tight ends off the board next season. I think. Yeah, that's that's what I, I mean. The ones who are who are taken right now, like you just said, like look good. Um, I don't know. I did I did a lot of Ingram and OJ Howard this year, and I, I with this combo I went with Darren Waller and Evan Ingram in the sixth and seventh rounds. Um, and I feel good about it, except I already had three running backs. So as you pointed out. This is not a, a double flex league. This is just one flex. 
but I don't care, man. Like, I, like I'm, I'm all about stockpiling now. Like, that, that's my, maybe I'll coin it, but it's going to be the stockpile strategy. The stockpile strategy. I'm just going to get a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, well, you know, I have three running backs, so I can't get a second tight end. Because so much crazy crap happens. Antonio Brown gets frostbitten feet. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I'm, I'm done, like, worrying about filling positions and stuff like that. I'm just going to stockpile the crap out of it. And all the people who are saying, like, zero RB and you can pick guys up off the wire and this and that, they're right. Like, if I, if I have an issue, I'll just pick someone up off the wire like any other team could do that has deficiencies somewhere. So yeah, it's that's totally how I'm true. rolling. It's totally, you know, back on Tuesday, I said early on in drafts, and this has been my, you know, mantra for, you know, years and years and years now. I, I don't care at all about position. I just want the best player. I'm the best player that that's available to me, and I'll worry about position when I eventually have to, which you know I will. But there's that might not even happen during a draft. I mean, I guess it will happen during a draft, and you're going to want to fill out your roster, obviously, with with backs and receivers, and have as many bites at those apples as you possibly can. But early on in drafts, and I, by early on, I mean eight rounds. Like I, I don't care at all about position. I just want great players. This goes back to something I've talked about a lot on. God, you know, we have so many shows. Man, I think I've talked about it a lot with uh, <laughs> right. with uh, with Chris Meany on Best on the Board. Is that you know, there's you know, the the running backs don't matter has come into vogue um, in the fantasy football world over the years, and the sentiment behind it I understand, but I think that really only works in the abstract uh, because what does what matters is great players regardless of what position they play. Like, there's no way you can look at the the 2018 Rams and the 2019 Rams and tell me that running back didn't matter to that team. Because Todd Gurley's right. a great player. It doesn't matter what position he's playing. So great players matter. And in the fantasy world, the way that that translates is, is worry about positions elsewhere and uh, or later in drafts and just get the best players you can possibly get on their team and you'll figure out you know what they're going to be for you when you have to. I like that. We're on board. Yeah. Best player available um, strategy. It's, that's it. I mean, it's not, it's, I know people have been saying that forever. Maybe we just got to coin a phrase for it. Something Instead snappy. of you know zero RB is catchy. We right? need something snappy. Well, we've got we you know this is uh, this is December nineteenth that you and I are talking about this. So we've got at least six or seven months to come up with something snappy. Stockpiling strategy. Yeah, but those are different strategies, Nando. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it sounds good. It does sound good. Everyone likes alliteration. Yeah. Um, a couple steals I want to talk about in these later rounds. Uh, and by the way, if uh, if you want to follow along on this, there there are a couple. Uh, David Ganos doing round one analysis. Brandon Funston's doing a roundtable, um, which will all be out next week. Uh, but you know, instead of us just reading every single name, there are a couple of players I thought were, were pretty good steals. Uh, David Montgomery in the fifth round went to Chris Meany. He had already had Derrick Henry, Chris Godwin, Cooper Cup. Uh, and actually, you know, James Conner. Meany did a good job with his late-game running back strategy here. Conner and Montgomery with his fourth and fifth round picks um, could turn out to be, quote-unquote, league winners uh, a year from now. And, uh, you know, we did talk a little bit about your Terry McLaurin in the last show. But, I, 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 man, Terry McLaurin in the seventh round is could be such a huge – like, Terry McLaurin to me is like the next Odell Beckham. That's that's He's catching a ton of stuff, but he's got, like, the size of, like, Terrell Owens. Like, you smush the two of them together and you get Terry McLaurin. <laughs> Plus, he's got rapport with his quarterback we played with in college. And I, I don't know, man. Like, anyway, enough gushing on Terry McLaurin. Um, you're a Chicago guy, and you hit every Chicago player, so Montgomery in the fifth round probably seems early to you. I'm a realist. I look at these, yeah. I look at these things <laughs> yeah. as they are, not as uh, to uh, you know, sort of paraphrase a, a great George Costanza quote. 
Uh, right? You, you see things as they are and wonder why, whatever Costanza says in that one episode. I, I, I see things as they are with the Bears. There's going to be a lot of question marks for this team coming into next year. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk. I think it's going to be the exact same uh, head of the snake on that team. It's going to be Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback. It's going to be Matt Nagy as the head coach. It is going to be Mark Helfrich as the OC. It's going to be Ryan Pace uh, as the as the GM. It's going to it's that is going to be the offensive brain trust going into next season. Maybe they make a <coughs> excuse me a move similar to what the uh, Titans did in bringing in a, a veteran backup like Ryan Tannehill. Maybe they find a move like that on the margins to make as a someone to push. Um, Mitch Trubisky and maybe take over if things start to go south early in the 2020 season. But Trubisky is going to be the starting quarterback on this team next year. I think you can make no bones about that. So, uh, yeah, Angel for Montgomery, David Montgomery. Uh, what's what's his real what's his reality going to be next season? Um, he was he's been a fine fantasy player next year, and I think he's got a foundation to go into 2020 as a good player. I would not call him a steal or a uh, someone who Meany took too early. I think. Uh, where we sit right now, this was an appropriately priced pick. The middle of the fifth round. So we're talking pick number, what, 49, 50, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Pick number 55 for David Montgomery. That feels fair to me. Sure. Would you rather had like, here, here are the running backs that kind of went in that same round and right around him. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. We were obviously picking yeah. for next year, too. Um, David, well, I guess DeAndre Swift, I think. Oh, hold on, left, right, left, right, left, right. I, I don't know where the, the <laughs> turn is. But. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. Swift, Taylor, J- David Johnson, Marlon Mack. Yeah, and then Philip Lindsay went after him. You, you Ingram a few ahead of him. No, a round ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Let's not put Ingram in that boat. But Swift, no, no. Taylor, Johnson, Mack, Montgomery, Lindsay. Um, you know, Geis, you got the next round. That just seems like Montgomery's – not head and shoulders above that group. Because, I don't, you know, Marlon Mack's awesome. Uh, but Philip Lindsay's kind of whatever as long as Devon, uh, Royce Freeman's still there. And David Johnson, I don't know what happened to him. We don't know where Taylor and Swift are going to end up. No, look at that, Taylor and Swift. <laughs> Taylor and Swift. <laughs> and oh, then Geis man. I love, but I don't think a lot of people are going to Oh, man, Geis. I never even put that together, dude. That is going to be – we're going to hear that a lot uh, leading up to the yeah, NFL right. draft with those two guys being the top two running backs most likely. Yeah. <laughs> We're Dan, you know, let's see where Dane Brugler has them going. Uh, You're going to hear some typing in the background. Those are going to be, we're going to get a lot of T Swift puns. That is going to be great. Say, I mean, those um, are going to be, those have got to be first round picks. Those are two guys who are going to be dependent. Uh, their, their fantasy value is going to be wholly dependent on where they end up. Because if you put one of those guys, if you put Jonathan Taylor in Houston next to Deshaun Watson and with DeAndre Hopkins, you put him in that offense, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is going to take off in that offense. You know, so with DeAndre Swift. Um, but that's going to be that's going to be dependent on their landing spots, I think. So we got we got Jonathan Taylor going to the Houston Texans. There you go. At 19. Um, I haven't seen Swift yet, but he has Etienne actually going ahead of both of them. Yeah, Travis There's Etienne Swift, could Swift go. Swift going to the Chiefs. Yeah. And Travis Etienne uh, is another guy who we should be talking about in that uh, in that group even though he went a couple of rounds later in this mock. But again, that that's going to be totally dependent right as great as some of these guys are you know i don't think i don't think any of them is is zeke or any of them is saquon uh so it's going to be very dependent on where they end up the teams they end up with so yeah houston kansas city i mean those are beautiful landing spots for those guys it's i really think kansas city is a good place yeah no kansas city sucks i would hate to play with patrick mahomes of course kansas city is a great place 
No, no, I mean, like, with the seven running backs they currently have, like, it doesn't seem I mean, like if, they cleared out a lot of space for Darwin Thompson. Right, but if they but if they use, if, they, if they've already done what they've done to this point, and then they use another high draft pick on a back, I mean, they're telling you right there what they think of their, back, their, their running back situation as it is, and that running back. Teams will often tell you what they think of a player by the manner in which they acquire them. And if the Chiefs go out and use, you know, a late first or a second round pick, on a running back, they're telling you exactly what they think about that running back. Yeah, I guess you're right. But didn't they do that with Darwin Thompson? Was he that high of a pick? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't think he was that high of a pick. Yeah, that's the point, no. right? Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, also sprinkling around the, the later rounds here, I mean, your typical Jamison Crowder, Marvin Jones, you know, Mike Williams, Anthony, you know, wake me up when this is over kind of guys. <laughs> Got to have him. Um, Got to have him. I thought it was an- – Salfino went zero RB for the most part. He took Austin Eckler in the second round. And then in the eighth, Duke Johnson, and in the ninth, Raheem Mostert, which was an interesting duo. I mean, not knowing anything right now, those are two guys who, again, have have talent, but is the situation going to be anything better for them next year? Probably with Duke Johnson with Carlos Hyde moving on, you would assume, and knowing the, you know, Duke Johnson got traded, what, like a week before the season started? Yeah. Live during a podcast by committee show. That's true. Actually. Live with uh, was with uh, Akron Jackson, Zach Jackson, our Browns beat writer. Yeah. So it was like the perfect guy <laughs> yeah. to have on. That's totally true. Um, I did – I um, I love the Eckler pick by Salfino. He – you know, Mar- Melvin Gordon almost certainly will be on a new team next year. Austin Eckler is going to be a great player. We saw it uh, before Gordon made his return. Austin Eckler was, you know, almost neck and neck with Christian McCaffrey before Gordon came back. Um, so I love that pick. Really like the Mostert pick. Not a huge fan of the Duke Johnson pick. Duke Johnson, uh, there's going to be some upside there. Uh, but, uh, but you know, I mean, we've now seen two teams refuse to make Duke Johnson anything more than a nominal runner and a receiver first. Um, and, you know, we're, what, five years into his career? It, it, it's, it, and eventually it's going to happen. Uh, that, that, was the, that was the phrase I kept using um, with, with the Dante Moncrief hype that got built up this year that I was not in on at all because if it was going to happen for him, it would have happened. And I think if it was going to happen for Duke Johnson, it would have happened by now. Uh, I, I see almost no chance where Duke Johnson enters uh, 2020 in uh, any different situation than he is already with Houston. He's going to be their receiving back. There's going to be someone like maybe Jonathan Taylor who is their primary back, and Duke Johnson's going to show up maybe in PPR leagues, but he's going to be a dodgy guy from week to week. Bella, rank these guys for me. Uh, sure. Anthony Miller, Mike Williams, James Washington, Marquise Brown. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, is there is there someone, like, because they were all picked in the same round, in the eighth round, um, but is there someone you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that stands out? Or are these just, like, four guys, throw them up in the air, whether they fall is, is whatever? Yeah, I think Mike Williams stands out. We, you know, we've seen we've seen a couple of useful seasons from him now. So uh, there, there's a floor here. There's a floor we know of. There's a track record uh, related to Mike Williams. The the thing the, where things could get interesting for him in a bad way is the quarterback situation in L.A. You know, we, we saw Philip Rivers fall off a, a cliff this season. Will he be back? Who's going to be the way if he is back? What sort of shape is he going to be in? I mean, in terms of you know what sort of quarterback is he going to be? Not sort of you know what sort of physical shape, but what kind of quarterback is he going to be able to be on a weekly basis? That's where the the risk comes for Mike Williams. But there is a floor established that just isn't there for Anthony Miller, James Washington, or Marquise Brown. So in a vacuum, I would go Williams, uh, Brown, Miller, Washington. Which- uh, let me throw John Brown in that mix. Is he head and shoulders above those guys? Because he was also in that round. I just I left him out because head it's hard to rank a billion head, people. Yeah, head and shoulders, no, but I would put him at the top of that, that list. That's what I thought, yeah. He's had a good year, man. 
He has John Brown doubters out there. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're maybe they're uh, stuck on uh, the raid on Harper's Ferry and how unsuccessful that was for a previous John Brown uh, rather than this uh, uh, modern day John Brown. But um, that you must know, be it. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I can't think of anything else. It has to be it. Uh, this John Brown, our John Brown, the 2019 John Brown, um, very consistent, uh, a, a deep threat, the deep threat on that team. You got to think that Josh Allen is ascending, if anything, right? I mean, I think that Josh Allen's not Blake Bortles. Josh Allen has a floor, and I think at the worst, Josh Allen is what he was in 2019. And we go forward, sure. and maybe he gets better, maybe he doesn't, but he has proved that he can support a guy like John Brown uh, as a regular fantasy starter. So he would be my number one out of those five. Yeah, man, the more I look at Moody's team, the more, like, I know it hinted at this in the previous show, but when you go deep with, like, he's got Christian Kirk and Jamison Crowder as his sixth and seventh round picks. There's there's huge upside there. Um, Kirk, as he gets another year in the Arizona system and maybe has a fully healthy year, I think, like we talked about with some of the running backs, Kirk lost some time to injury and I yep. think maybe came back a little too early. Yep, yep. Jameson Crowder, if you get Gase out of there. Even if you don't, I mean, Crowder seems pretty safe. The The key there is, is I mean, I don't know. I'm still I'm still a, a Sammy D buyer. I think Sam Darnold's going to be a good player. Um, you know, this was – he basically didn't have the first half of the season. Who knows how much the mono lingered when he was finally able to come back. We've seen some nice performances from him. Uh, and if you want to buy Sam Darnold, I mean, what he's still – he's going to be in his age 23 season next year too, right? Sure. I think that's yeah. true. But um, I can... Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to you. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah, yeah. He, You're he good turns with these ages. I believe you. He turns 23 in June, so I mean, we're still talking about a very young guy. I mean, uh, uh, didn't Joe Burrow just turn 23? Right. I'll also just blindly agree with that. Pretty sure Joe Burrow just had his 23rd birthday. I can look that up really quick. But uh, we're talking about a guy who is younger than Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow just turned uh, just turned 23 on December 10th. So Sam Darnold is, is going to be in his third NFL season, and he's younger than Joe Burrow. And everyone's fallen over themselves, as they should, you know, to celebrate Burrow and, uh, you know, send him back to his home state, go into the Bengals almost certainly with the first overall pick, and people are going to be excited about him and you know, what he brings to the table for Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate and A.J. Green if he's still there, although I think A.J. Green – you know, the AJ Green lover and me hope he hope he finds a new home uh, next year. But uh, you know, everyone's going to be pumped about that. Well, Sam Darnold is six months younger than Joe Burrow entering his third year. Uh, that's all uh, you know. A long way to say that I, I still buy Sam Darnold, and I buy I'm going to buy a lot of pieces of this Jets offense as I did in this draft with Robbie Anderson. I, you know, you sound first of all, you sound a lot like Selfino, and it's easy to make fun of someone for for doing that for loving <laughs> Darnold so much. Like, but I I actually kind of agree with you. I just I don't know, man. Like it's there's something about Adam Gase, and I don't know if it was his press conference where he was just looking goofy, or uh, I don't like some of his actions. It, I don't it's know. The track record. I mean, you know, and also the track at, record. Well, I think that, at, that's a given, right? Ryan Tannehill, right? Check. Uh, and uh, Devontae Parker, check. Kenyon Drake, check. Right? What do those three guys have in common this season? They got the hell away from Adam Gase. I mean, Adam Gase's Adam Gase's biggest success story, for sure, is. The one year he was the Bears offensive coordinator and Jay Cutler was like solid, right? Isn't that the isn't right. that like isn't that what Adam Gase's uh, Adam Gase's Adam Gase the well, head Peyton coach? Manning. There's some Peyton Manning stuff. Yeah, well, but yeah, that's what I was getting to. But I mean, how much of that was Adam Gase and how much of that was Peyton Manning? Right. I don't think they're going to let him do one and done there. I don't think he's a one and done coach for the Jets. You got to sell out when uh, I mean I'm all for once something proves itself unviable or viable that you go 
hard in that direction, even if you didn't believe that beforehand. But I don't know. I think it's hard to I think it's hard to cash out on Gase after one year. I agree with you there. I mean, I would like to see it happen. As uh, you know, someone who lives here and is happy when my Jets fan friends are happy. Um, but I don't know, man. It just seems like it's, I don't know. There's like he's like this genius. There's no innovation. You know what I mean? There's no consistency. And I don't know, like you know, Robbie Anderson and uh, and Jamison Crowder to me are just like a like the I don't know, man. Like the Carolina duo. You know what I mean? Like they they kind of mm. almost cancel each other out. They're very good. You could expect a big game once in a while from one of the Jets. I don't think you can from the Carolina duo. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! Are you are you serious, dude? DJ Moore is going to be a, a second round pick next year. I think Moore and Samuel are essentially the same player to me. Essentially the same player. DJ Moore yeah. is doesn't he have like twelve hundred yards this season? Yeah, but I mean, like, he just, I don't see him as having like the the Jamison Crowder super duper breakout game, dude. You know what I mean? Like the one fifty six yard game. I don't think a DJ Moore is that player. You mean like week 12 when he put up uh, six catches for 126 and two touchdowns against the Saints? I don't count touchdowns. <laughs> Screw touchdowns. Who needs touchdowns? Well, no, I mean, look, they're, they're awesome when you get them, and you should assume some players will get, you know, yeah, good 10 players over the course of the season. Yeah, DJ, I mean, Moore, like if... DJ Moore, I know we're talking more of the late, later parts of this draft, but Singleton got DJ Moore end of the third round, 35th overall pick. DJ Moore is going to go 10 picks higher than that at least in real drafts in 2020. You think with Cam Newton back that's going to happen? I don't care who the quarterback is. I mean, look what he did with Kyle Allen as his quarterback all season. That's I don't what I'm care saying. Who... Kyle Allen might have just liked him. I, I would love DJ Moore. The dude's a stud. I, any quarterback who ends up there is going to love DJ Moore. Another guy who's going to be 23 next year with, with entering his third season, already having the success that he's had, uh, having the the uh, college career that he had at Maryland, the pedigree of being a first uh, a first round pick. DJ Moore is going to explode next year. You want you want an early read on 2020 Chris Godwin? It's DJ Moore. That's a ballsy call, man. Well, I, considering I've, we don't know who they're like, I mean, I guess maybe North Turner's kid will be their offensive coordinator if he does well here, but uh, like you don't know that, that offense could be totally different. I don't care who it is. I mean, DJ Moore, uh, our boy Emery Hunt always says talent rises, talent finds a way. Nine times out of ten, DJ Moore's got that. He's going to find a way. I'm telling you, he's going to be a consensus second round pick, and people are going to be thrilled to have him on their teams. DJ Moore's going to be in like is the Moore, uh, he, like he, the Kenny Galladay range next year. Is he an Emory Hunt guy? Because that's going to change everything. Then I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Emory and I, in our vast conversations, have uh, have actually talked about DJ Moore much this season. Maybe you should bring it up this week. Maybe we should. Right. I mean, like, oh, what am I talking about? Emery and I just talked about DJ Moore um, on on our show on (laughs) on our show on Tuesday. Um, It was was a good show. It was (laughs) uh, we we you know, it was our last advanced route of the season. And we uh, we took 2019 breakout players and uh, tried to diagnose, tried to say, what do these guys have in common that, you know, will help us find 2020 breakout players? And DJ Moore was one of the guys we talked about. Uh, Emery Hunt's the man. Like, seriously, like. I, he's not wrong pretty much yeah, ever. The dude knows what he's talking about. He was beating the drum so hard for Lamar Jackson. Oh, yes, he and was. Like, and he, he, he just uh, – it's pretty – I don't know, man. I love it. I just, I just love when he's, like, right because he's, <laughs> he's a good dude. Who, but he does his homework, and, like, he's, he's just very, like, stubborn. And I can be like that too. And he, just, he likes a player, and he sticks with him and sticks with him and sticks with him. 
And then he blows up, and he's like, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you know, Should have listened to Emery. <laughs> uh, man, well, listen to that show. I'm not going to give away his uh, his analysis, but uh, check out that episode of uh, of the uh, FSG Award-nominated, the advanced route, uh, our last one of the season. Uh, when I made that D.D. Westbrook pick, you know, we got a, a couple minutes left here, but when I made that D.D. Westbrook pick, uh, Seeley took Darius Slate. Listen, here's Jake Seeley's team, which is not a team that I would have picked, at, like, at all. DeAndre Hopkins, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Tyler Lockett, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne, Marquise Brown, and Darius Slayton. That could be. I don't a, know if there are some boring guys in there, a lot of risk, but I just I look at that and I'm like, eh. I think that could be a solid team. Nothing. Lockett, Lockett's a nice buy where he That's got solid. where he got uh, Tyler Lockett. Um, I would be a little concerned about Le'Veon Bell after what we saw this season. If Antonio Brown is playing next year, I mean. I don't know. I, I still feel like he should be Antonio Brown. Um, I, I think this is a nice team that he's that he's built himself here. And Travis Etienne, again, another guy who, I mean, the Houston Texans are going to take a running back. And whoever ends up in Houston, whether it's Etienne or Taylor or Swift, I think it'll be Etienne or Taylor, they're going to have a Josh Jacobs season. Yeah. You think Bill O'Brien will still be the coach? Yeah, they're going to win the division. I'm very excited for, like, the like that day when all the coaches get fired and not excited for like just like because that's like a seismic change in offenses and like players who have talent under a different offensive coordinator or a different coach can explode you know what I mean like Darren Waller uh following Jared Cook with Greg Olson as their coordinator you know Greg Olson you know is a tight end guy like maybe Rod Chudzinski gets another job somewhere as offensive coordinator he's a tight end guy you know what I mean like you have these keys and we just got to unlock them correctly and so when like these these changes happen to five or six teams, and they hire like this coach, and he brings in the offensive coordinator who you know, you know like Greg Roman is a run first offensive coordinator. Um, it's exciting in a way, like the, the renewal of everything. Yeah, it is. At least for me, it is. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't usually celebrate people losing their jobs, but I see where you're going with that. Well, most of these guys get jobs somewhere else anyway. You know, <laughs> I know, and they're and they and they and they and they they made uh, they did quite well for themselves while they had the jobs. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, it sucks, and you know, everyone's human, but anyway, yeah. anyway, Peller, uh, let's wrap this up. Okay, I think uh, I think we've done good service to this 2020 mock. I think we have to paint a picture of what could be in the the next season to come. Yeah, um, I think we have to. Absolutely. Hey, quick reminder, if, if you want to check this all out, it's it's on The Athletic. Uh, Brandon Funston will have a roundtable up uh, Christmas week, basically. David Ganos will have a round one recap up uh, probably Monday or Tuesday. Um, and by the way, if you, theathletic.com slash PBC is a special code, and the last time we're going to give it out, if you want 40% off a subscription, um, I have noticed that there are a lot of 30% off codes out there. Ooh. Not too many 40% ones. So. We're, we're one-third yeah. better than the Even rest. if you don't like us. Exactly. Go use it. Have some fun with it. Get some great writing and some. Uh, they're actually behind the scenes paywalled podcasts that uh, not everybody gets out here on iTunes. That's true. So that's good too. That's true. That's yeah. true. We've got. Uh, we'll, we'll have two tomorrow. Uh, our last edition of the ranking show. So if you need any last minute uh, week sixteen championship week lineups, you can listen to me and De- uh, Derek Van Riper tomorrow. That's a behind the paywall podcast. And uh, our Friday edition of Best on the Board with me and Chris Meany locking in our uh, Week 16 against the spread picks, both behind the wall pods. So uh, use theathletic.com slash PBC. Get the uh, additional 33% on top of the 30 and get yourself 40% off. And then listen to those pods on Friday. It's a great way to launch yourself into the weekend. And they're both award-dominated podcasts. FSWA award. FSGA award. I mean, I wasn't going to say it, but if you're going to put it out there, then thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, they're not my shows. It's not like I'm bragging. <laughs> we're nominated. Awesome. Good job, everybody. <laughs> we got to go. That's a wrap for podcast by committee for this season. Um, we'll probably be back in baseball form. I would say we'll most definitely be back for football form, at least in some way with all the beat writers because they're awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, for Michael Beller, who was here for every show behind the scenes, good times, man. Dude, it's been fun. It's been fun, man. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to be a part of. I've loved working with you on this show. Uh, so, so thank you to you for all the hard work that you've put in. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I think uh, on behalf of both of us, thank you to, uh, of course, the listeners. Uh, wouldn't exist without you guys and to all the B writers who came on all season long. Uh, this show is unique in the marketplace because of what they bring to the table. So we were very happy to do it all season with them. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you all. I echo everything Beller said to save some time. I'll just leave it at that. Have a good one, everybody. Happy holidays. Whatever you're celebrating, enjoy it. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you on the flip side.